Avraham and the Angels by Rav Ezra Bick. The story of Avraham and the Angels is so full of incidental lessons, the mitzvah of visiting the sick, the mitzvah of welcoming strangers, the permissibility to tell a white lie, the modesty of Sarah, that we are wont to ignore the perplexing nature of the story itself. For what purpose did the angels come to visit Avraham? The obvious answer is to inform him of the impending birth of Yitzchak. But this merely forces us to go one step deeper with our question. First, why is it important to inform Avraham that Sarah will give birth in a year? God has promised him that he will have children since the beginning of Lech Lecha. Neither Rivka nor Rachel, who were both barren, received prior notice of their impending pregnancy. Somewhat more generally, what is the importance to us, the readers, of the fact that there was a year's advance notice? Second, more specifically, just a day or two earlier, God had already told Avraham the same thing. When commanding Avraham to perform milah, God changed his name to Avraham and Sarai to Sarah, adding, I shall bless her and also give you from her a son. A few verses later, God tells Avraham explicitly, But Sarai, your wife, will bear a son for you, and you shall call his name Yitzchak. And I will establish my covenant with Yitzchak, who Sarah will bear for you at this time in the next year. This is nearly identical to the message of the angels. The Ramban surmises that Abraham had not told Sarah this piece of news, perhaps because he immediately performed milah and then was ill. Hence, the purpose of the angel's visit was to inform Sarah of what Abraham already knew. Aside from the inherent unlikelihood of Abraham forgetting to tell his wife that after thirty years she is about to bear a son, I think the Torah itself indicates that this is not so. God changed Sarai's name to Sarah. From that point on, she is only called Sarah, including by the angels when they ask about her. It seems clear that Abraham has already told her about her new name. How could he not have told her of the birth of Yitzchak, which is bound up with the new name? Finally, why angels? As we pointed out, God himself had told Abraham the same news. What's more, God has appeared to Abraham at the time the angels come to his tent. It surely appears very strange that God has sent angels to tell Abraham, or Sarah, the good news when he himself is in the midst of speaking to him. No sooner do the angels leave than God continues his conversation with Abraham. In general, I think we are justified in not expecting someone like Abraham, to whom God spoke often, to have to rely on angels for the message of God. In the Torah, other than Abraham, we find angels speaking only to people who have not merited a more direct communication with God, such as Hagar, Lot, or Bilam. This does not include prophetic dreams such as Yaakov and Betel. I think we feel that it is indicative of Hagar's relatively lower status that she is visited by an angel rather than God. This is true generally in Tanakh as well. Prophets are spoken to by God, while others have extraordinary experiences of meeting an angel. Avraham twice is spoken to by angels, here and later at the climax of the Akedah. This brings us to an additional question which we have perhaps avoided in the past. Just how are we supposed to understand the role of angels, here and elsewhere? The angels speak in God's name. They are basically manifestations of God's will. How, then, are we to understand the difference between God speaking to Abraham at the end of Lech Lecha and an angel speaking to him at the beginning of Vayera? I think the answer to these questions, as well as the key to understanding Parat Vayera in general, is rooted in the last section of Lech Lecha. Brit Milah, the physical induction of Abraham into a covenant with God, 
introduced by the words, walk before me and be perfect, constituted a transformation of the basic relationship of Abraham to the natural world. In Lech Lecha, Abraham reacts to the surrounding world according to the rules of nature and society, even as he is aided by God. He fights a battle with his private army. God helps him by granting him victory, but nevertheless he has to fight, using his own powers. Abraham lives on earth, even as, when he has a problem, God speaks to him from the heavens. But after Brit Milah, Abraham is no longer merely a saintly inhabitant of earth, a relatively better member of human society. Now he walks with God. This is clearly indicated by the opening verse of the parasha. The Abarbanel perceptively deduces this from the absence of Abraham's name in the opening verse. God appeared to him in Elone Mamre, rather than God appeared to Abraham in Elone Mamre. That this appearance is an immediate continuation of the Milah, despite the new parasha. But there seems to be no purpose for this appearance, no message from God to Abraham. The answer is that in this case, the appearance is its own purpose. After the Milah, God visits Abraham to spend time with him, in fellowship, for Abraham now belongs to the society of God and not to that of men. Every previous appearance of God to Abraham was to tell him something specific. Here it symbolizes the fellowship of God and Abraham. Milah has changed Abraham's status from that of a righteous individual to that of Yedid Hashem, a part of the spiritual community. He is Baal Brit Hashem, rather than Baal Brit Aner Eshkol and Mamre. Now we come to the visit of the angels. Chazal say that when they meet Abraham, they are called men, whereas when meeting Lot, they are referred to as angels, because Abraham was used to angels, so they appeared to him as men, whereas for Lot, it was a novelty. Generalizing somewhat, I think this means that the presence of angels in Abraham's company from this point on is the presence of his fellows, his natural environment. Walk before me and be perfect. Walking before God as the retinue of the king is what we imagine angels do. Abraham lives amidst the angels now, so angels appear to him as men. What is the difference between the announcement by God of Yitzchak's birth in Lech Lecha and that of the angel here? Notice the introduction, I shall return to you in one year, Ka'et Chaya, and behold, a son of Sarah your wife. The angel doesn't merely predict the birth, he states that his presence will be with Abraham and it will be manifested in the presence of a son. In other words, the presence of angels, of God, of a heavenly environment in Abraham's house, expresses itself naturally in creation and rejuvenation. Not, I will give you a son, but behold, a son. Sarah picks up on this immediately. She asks, After I am worn, shall I experience rejuvenation? In Abraham's case, it will be very unusual to have a child at such an advanced age. But for Sarah, it requires transcendence of time, a return to her youth. Abraham has a child in his old age, but Sarah has actually become young again. Not having directly experienced Milah, though included in its results, Sarah laughs in amazement at the thought. The usual flow of time has become meaningless in Abraham's house. The angels do not come merely to inform, they come to produce the effect itself. Just as they destroy Sodom, and according to Chazal, they cure Abraham. In other words, the presence of angels here symbolizes the Spirit of God and its workings, not as a miracle from afar to correct the difficult situation, but rather as a total transformation of the conditions of Abraham's life in this world. 
All of Prashad Vayera reflects this new transcendent state of Avraham. As the angels leave Avraham, God states, Shall I conceal from Avraham that which I am going to do? Avraham has become God's partner in running the world, a companion, one who shares in the responsibility. Avraham will become a great and mighty nation, and in him all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Can God act in Sodom without telling Avraham? Avraham argues with God about God's role in the world. The judge of all the earth, shall he not do justice? Avraham is no longer merely an inhabitant of the lower world, but one who is engaged in defining how it should be run from above. Why was Sodom destroyed? The Torah does not elaborate what was so unusually terrible about Sodom, other than hint that they did not appreciate guests. Surely there were other cities around the world that were not particularly hospitable, that did not suffer this incredible plight. I think the answer is rooted in Avraham's new state. Hence the same angels who visit Avraham destroy Sodom. Parenthetically, Rashi deduces from the singular tense used whenever one of the angels fulfills a mission that each act was performed by a different angel, one to cure Avraham, one to destroy Sodom, and one to announce the birth of Yitzchak. This does not contradict my point that the narrative connects Avraham's receiving the announcement of Yitzchak's birth and the destruction of Sodom precisely by sending the angels to do both. On the contrary, if, for reasons of metaphysical angelology, each angel does one specific and distinct task, why do they travel together? Why do the angels who destroy Sodom and save Lot visit Avraham in the company of the one who has the job of informing him of Yitzchak's birth? Clearly, they are on one long, continuous mission. Sodom is destroyed because Eretz Yisrael does not suffer evil. Compare the last generation, your children who will come after you, and the stranger who will come from a far land, shall say when they see the plagues of that land, and its sickness, which God has laid upon it, brimstone and salt, and burning all the land, not sown, nor growing, nor producing any grass, like the overthrow of Sodom and Amorah, Adma and Svoim, which God overthrew in his rage and anger. And all the nations shall ask why, and God rooted them out of their land. The destruction of the people is not emphasized as much as the destruction of the land. Why is Sodom destroyed by angels who are coming from visiting Avraham after his milah? This too is a reflection of the elevation of Avraham above the natural order. Eretz Yisrael, the land given to Avraham, is no longer a normal land, obeying the natural laws of nature. It is the earthly home of the companions of God, a land which itself cannot suffer wickedness. The same angels who, by their presence in Avraham's house, rejuvenate Sarah and Avraham via Yitzchak, bring down brimstone and fire by their presence in Sodom. When God destroyed the cities of the plain, he remembered Avraham, and he sent Lot out of the overthrow, when he overthrew the cities in which Lot dwelled. In Lechacha, Avraham saves Lot by attacking the kings who have taken him captive. In Vayera, he saves him once again simply because God, remembering his companion Avraham, separates Lot from his environment, a pale reflection of Avraham's separation from his environment. Avimelech takes Sarah to his palace, as Paroh had done earlier. In the first case, a plague afflicts Paroh, and he hurries to return Sarah. This time, God himself comes to tell Avimelech to return Sarah. The Midrash and the commentators can barely restrain their astonishment that Avimelech merits the word of God. I think the focus should not be the merit of Avimelech, but rather on the relationship of Avraham and God. Someone has caused Avraham a very serious and personal problem. 
God intervenes personally to set it right. God adds, Now return the man's wife, for he is a prophet, and he will pray for you and you will live. In relation to the inhabitants of the land, Abraham has almost magical powers to intercede with God and cure the sick. God is telling Avimelech, You have a problem. But Abraham has an in with me. He is one of my own, so he can help you. Vayera is a new parasha because it is a totally new stage in the life of Abraham. It is rooted narratively, however, in the end of Lech Lecha. The Brit of Abraham concludes the story of a righteous man. The visit of the angels to Abraham commences the story of a heavenly man, what Chazal call Merkava Lishchina.